Now to the headlines and police say a nanny whose body was pulled from a lake in Jersey City over the weekend was strangled. Next, new evacuations in Southern California tonight as a wildfire burns across some 2,000 acres. New York police releasing new images of two men they want to talk to in connection with a deadly shooting on a subway platform in Queens. The violence playing out right in front of shock and... Some major cities across the country are reporting a skyrocketing surge in auto thefts, especially violent carjackings. The episode of Death by DVD, which you are about to listen to, subject matter is that of suicide. Listening discretion is advised. This is Death by DVD. You are listening to Hank, the world's greatest. In keeping with Death by DVD's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts, and in high fidelity, you are going to hear another first. The story of Christine Chubbuck. An enigmatic story that we really only know the end to. The middle and the beginning, not just lost to time, but almost erased. A true story that has been sensationalized into film. Two of them, well, three of them, and we'll be discussing those on this episode as well as Christine, but unfortunately, most of our discussion on Christine herself will be hypothetical and theoretical because, I just said, we really know the ending, the beginning and middle, has been lost or suppressed. And of course, we'll get into the reasons for all of that also, because why would I say something so mysterious if I didn't intend to eventually talk about it? We'll begin with the movies. Christine, from 2016, directed by Antonio Campos, written by Craig Shilowick, starring Rebecca Hall and Michael C. Hall. Then we've got Kate Plays Christine, 2016, also written and directed by Robert Greene. This is a pseudo-documentary about Christine Chubbuck, and an actress who is going to be playing her. Kate Scheel plays Christine. You might remember her from Your Next. Touching back upon the other film, Rebecca Hall plays Christine. And then we've got a movie from 1976 by Sidney Lumet called Network. You should know about this at this point. I think. I mean, I'm not trying to... Who am I to fucking tell you what you should and shouldn't know when it comes to watching films? But I think this one's pretty widely accessible and well-known. This is a classic. I'd say a classic. Got Robert Duvall, Faye Dunaway, William Holden. Oh, this movie obviously isn't about... Christine Chubbuck. This film was inspired by Christine Chubbuck, and it's important that we bring this up and reference it throughout this episode because, well, I can't give it away all too soon. Look at me. It is important, though, so just register it. Have these movies in the back of your mind, or I guess in the front of them, because we're about to talk about them. Oh. Christine from 2016 and Kate Plays Christine both are pretty much based on an article written by a woman named Sally Quinn titled Christine Chubbuck, 29, good-looking, educated, a television personality, dead, live, and in color. The Antonio Campos film tells a story of some sorts. It at least attempts to paint a picture and give you an idea of the entity, the person who Christine Chubbuck is, though it unfortunately ends up exploiting her. Kate Plays Christine, as I mentioned, is a pseudo-documentary, more or less about this actress's struggle to try and connect with Christine, 
and it also far more than the Antonio Campos film exploits her. Horribly so. Disappointingly so. Why? Well, if I gave it all away now, what would be the point? I'll get to it. Network by Sidney Lumet is about an anchor who is going to be let go and decides that he is going to announce to the world that he's going to kill himself live on television. His network then decides to exploit that for ratings as hard as they can, which turns into a very eye-opening piece, not just about the media, not just about capitalism, but about the people around you. All in good time. All in good time. We will discuss it all. But before we discuss those films, we need to talk about Christine Chubbuck. We need to talk about this human... This isn't just a, a subject matter. This isn't just a movie. We're not just going to be discussing somebody's suicide. We did something like this once with Patty Hearst. There is a true story to this. You have the sensationalized Hollywood and not-so-Hollywood version. You've got what you can Google. You can find it on clickbait. 13 most haunting stories you can't believe are true. But the entity, the person, the human that was behind all of this, there was somebody... With a soul, I don't care what your religious preferences are, your spirituality. The idea of a soul energy, undestructible energy that exists whether you like it or not. This, this person had one. It existed, they existed. They were a child once, they were a teenager, they had dreams, hopes, aspirations. The end of the story is all that anyone seems to know when it comes to Christine Chubbuck. It's kind of depressing. I mean, look at your life. What if anybody just knew the end? All your achievements, all your hopes, all the things you worked on and put your love and your blood and your sweat and your tears into just wiped away because of the ending of your story. And even more so than that, I mean, you're dead. Theoretically speaking. It doesn't affect you. You don't know anything. You, you don't have an idea that you're being exploited or used or you're death and message have been completely lost upon people. The important thing here is literally dignity. Human love. Loving your brother, your neighbor. Dignity. So we're gonna get into some territories tonight, as we did with Patty Hearst. We talked about Paul Schrader's film, which was an excellent film. Is an excellent film, rather. We talked about the Symbionese Liberation Army. We talked about Patty Hearst. But guess what? Guess what? Guess what, man? You're not gonna believe it! You're not gonna believe it! We're going to do the same thing again tonight. Somehow, some fucking way, the SLA and Patty Hearst all ties in a little bit. Don't worry, it's not like an old trickaroo, and this is actually the fourth part of the Patty Hearst special. I just waited two months to release it. It's not, it's not. It's where we have a whole new thing here. But if you listen to that, you listen to the whole three-part special. You have an understanding of what I'm going to try and do here. Not try. What I will do here. So, when you came into this episode, there was a warning I'm going to just personally stress again, we are going to be discussing suicide, ending your own life. We're going to talk about depression, anxiety. A lot of this will be theoretical. A lot of it's hypothetical. I'm not a fucking doctor. I have no degree. I have no background in what I'm talking about. This is all theoretical. But listen, at your own risk, regardless, it is a very serious subject matter. It's not something to joke about. It's not something to make fun of. And it certainly isn't something to exploit. But unfortunately, the subject matter that we further will get into, I think, is 100% exploitation. And I don't mean that in the good way that we usually discuss on this show. Not trauma exploitation. It's not a video nasty, though it is going to get nasty. Oh, isn't it so much fun when we spend time together? But I'm fucking telling you, it's not, it's not about the negativity. It's not about the sensationalization. This isn't going to be a... The end of the story, like I've been talking about, is already sufficiently well known. What happened 
to Christine Chubbuck is very well known. There's so much more to that. There's so much more to an entity. There's so much more to anything. I mean, we sensationalized Kurt Cobain to the extent that we published his private journals. We, I mean, I say, like, we, I had something to do with it. But, I mean, we as a, as a whole, we as consumers, it was something that was sought after. People went out of their way to buy it. We celebrate this person who shot themselves in the head. And I'm not going to fucking talk about theories and Courtney Love, okay? Let's just go with what's on fucking paper here. Person committed suicide, and, and they're worshipped pretty much. You can go home and read the private thoughts of this person from when they were 17 years old in hardback or paperback, whatever's more convenient. Maybe even you could get it on Kindle, I don't know. But Christine Shubbick has been erased from the earth. Christine's work, her art, her soul, what she stood for, it, it just is gone. Poof. What we have left of her is this grim awful reminder. Oh yeah, that's that chick that killed herself on live TV. Nothing else. Nothing personal. And I can't really dig deep. Kate Plays Christine, for the most part, is about this actress attempting to connect with Christine Chubbuck and is attempting to dig deep and find out information about her. So we have a whole movie pretty much finding out that there's not a lot that you can find. You can find some interesting things. You can find a 40-page police report. You can find Christine Chubbuck, 29, good-looking, educated, a television personality, dead, live, and in color by Sally Quinn, which Kate plays Christine is literally the actress just reading this, and then every now and again they have some unsolved mystery styles, to be quite honest. And I'm not trying to attack so soon, but unsolved mysteries, as especially now, much higher quality reenactments than what we're getting here and offers really nothing original or any new insight to who the human being was. So who the fuck is Christine Chubbuck outside of somebody that committed suicide on television in 1974? I can, I can read Wikipedia. I can, I can tell you research that I've done, and all of it comes back to the same thing. She was born in Ohio. She later moved to Boston, and then she later moved to Florida, where she eventually killed herself live on WXLT-TV with a Smith & Wesson 38 caliber airweight revolver loaded with wad cutters. Now, the only reason I bring up the type of bullet Christine used is I just genuinely found it a little interesting. Wad cutters aren't typically used for defense. They're not typically loaded with a 38. They're designed specifically for paper. They're target bullets, or rather, bullets made for target practice. Now, if you Google wad cutters, the first thing that you're going to see is people also ask, are wad cutters good for self-defense? Wad cutters also have the potential for surprisingly effective wound ballistics out of a small revolver compared to conventional self-defense ammo. Even though the wad cutter doesn't actually expand, it tends to penetrate soft tissue very reliably. Right under that, can wad cutters kill? Wad cutters are designed to leave clean-edged holes in paper for shooting competitions. The wad cutter and semi-wad cutter bullets are designed the way they are to cut nice, clean holes in paper targets for scoring, but they're just as deadly as any other bullet. So that, that's Google. We're going to talk about this more later on, but it's something that I wanted you to tuck away and just remember, and then when we bring it up, you'll be like, oh yeah, well, good thing Hank talked about that earlier. Her father somehow was related to the Fairbanks, and her early upbringing is just kind of a shrug, an enigma wrapped in a shroud. We don't know. No one really knows anything about her. Her family, obviously, uh, maybe close friends if she ever really had anything. You can read the same statements about her. She was strange. She was isolated. She didn't get on well with other people. In high school, she started a club called the Dateless Wonder Club. It's just a lot of morose facts. There's nothing about the person. The only way that you can really develop a sense as to who Christine was 
is by reading the police report, is by attempting to hunt down, and it's not like it's hard, and find what people had to say about her, which for the most part was almost all the same thing. She was a very particular and peculiar person, but that could be said really for anybody. Christine Shubick, I personally feel, was an artist, and took that very, very seriously, and took her job and her life incredibly seriously. In 1965, she earned a degree from Boston University in broadcasting. Her early career, and for the most part, all of her career was pretty unremarkable. She worked very hard and she had a lot of passion, but, you know, it wasn't Walter Cronkite, it wasn't Barbara Walters, nothing really, no ground was broken. She hadn't gotten even to the point at her death in life to break ground. But she had an idea, she had a clue, she had direction, she had a message, and she had words that she needed to get out. The thing about Christine, the thing that's interesting is her death. The only reason people know about her is because of her death. The only reason she's been sensationalized in the manner she has in two different pictures is because of her death. Her story was used for network, again, further sensationalizing it. But it's funny how the media works, it's funny how ratings work, and it's funny what people find truly interesting. It's never so much their story, it's never so much why, it's just the blood and guts. I could go through all the same things, I could tell you that she's lonely, I could tell you that she's depressed. But after a few weeks of dedicating my time to, to trying to dig up as much as I possibly could. Trying to just hear her voice. I feel there's so much more to this than anyone ever wants to talk about. I think there's blame even to a certain extent that has never been recognized, that is, has never been brought up. And I think the point, mostly, is that since her death, Christine has just been exploited. The entity, the person, all that has been done to her is exploitation. She had a point. And I guess where we're going to get with this episode is to her point, or my idea of what her point was. I can't say anything for certain. As I said earlier, I'm uh, speaking hypothetically for the most part here. I can't give you any certainties. I can't give you any facts. I can tell you what I've read and what I've researched and what I think about all of it, and obviously that's what we're going to be doing here. But I just want to state again, you know, this isn't set in stone. For all intents and purposes, Christine only exists in death. The sensationalization of that, the power of that, I guess, how entertaining it is, how shocking it is. Can you believe this happened? Read about this at three in the morning while scrolling through your phone endlessly. There's more to it than that. There's more to anything than that. I mean, God, I, I, I hope I don't need to go into a rant here explaining that there's much more to it than that, but... I don't know, it's... it's... It's, it's concerning. You know, I came into this not knowing anything about Christine Shubick. I knew that she committed suicide, and I wanted to see Christine for quite some time, the 2016 film by Antonio Campos, and I'd put it off. You know, it's not the greatest subject matter, especially when you know how it's going to end. It's a 90-minute film, and I know it's going to end very upsetting. And personally, for me, suicide, suicide in general, whether it's on film, you hear about it, you read about it, I find it very upsetting. The loss of life bothers me. It doesn't just have to be a suicide, even if it's a bad guy, or what we perceive to be bad guys. The loss of life genuinely upsets me and bothers me, you know, that whole thing I was raving about at the beginning about souls and energy. That's another episode for another day. I just, I, I, I wanted to see it, you know, and I, I don't, I've never seen Dexter. I can hear, what the fuck, Hank? What do you mean you've never seen Dexter? I get that all the time, but I like Michael C. Hall. I've seen him, believe it or not, and other things from, uh, you know, aside from Dexter. And that was kind of a pull for me. Like, okay, you know, I want to see him in something different. I, I, I'm into this idea. And again, I just never got around to doing it because it's upsetting. 
says the guy that sits and watches Paris, Texas for fun. It's sad. I didn't want to watch it. Yeah, fuck me. I know. So obviously at some point in the last two months, I fucking saw <laughs> Christine and that's why we're here. That's that's really what brought me here is I watched the film and I was astounded. It's very well shot. It's it's to me well written. Again, I think it, it everything aside from network borrows or directly uses Sally Quinn's article, short story, whatever you want to call it, about Christine Chubbuck. But this had some originality to it. This, as I am going to be forced to do tonight, took a lot of liberties with the personality of Christine. You have to really sit and when, when you have so little available and what you have available is really like an incomplete puzzle and you get halfway to finishing it, like the whole center piece of this puzzle is completely gone and you don't know what to do. So you have to take everything surrounding it. You attempt to fill in the gaps, and that's what this film did. It's what Kate Plays Christine does, and what I'm also going to do is, you know, tell you what I think. It's all I can do. I'm not going to try and perpetuate anything here. I'm not going to try and answer any questions. And that's the, you know, I, I want to. I, there's so many questions I have in my head. There's so many things that don't make sense to me, and none of these films, <laughs> none of them answer it. There's, there's not a fucking answer to anything. The closest I guess you're going to get to any answers to the question is network. We'll get there when we get there. Christine is a heavy dramatization of, of what might have happened, what might have led up. You've got a lot of things that, in, in the truth, in, in real life, things that are written down that weren't erased from time that had happened to Christine. You have statements from her friends and co-workers and people that were around her all the time. You can piece together your own ideas, and that's exactly what this 2016 film did. And for the most part, it's eloquent. It takes a great deal of liberties with the persona of Christine Chubbuck, and I think the personification is a little off. I mean, but again, who am I to fucking say? Who's anybody to say? You've got this artistic rendering of who she is in this film. She's very meek. And the real Christine apparently was depressed constantly, but was brash, was very sarcastic, and had a very twisted and bizarre sense of humor. So bold, in fact, that she had mentioned to co-workers days and weeks before she eventually committed suicide that, hey, wouldn't it be a gas if I blew my brains out on television? She told somebody that she had purchased a gun, but her sense of humor was just so out of left field, I guess most people just thought she was joking. We'll get to some points about this later on, but no compassion in this world, I'm telling you. There's just little compassion. Rebecca Hall plays Christine as, as almost a schoolgirl that she would you know, be afraid of shadows, that she's just this very sheepish, meek character. And I think there's much more to Christine Chubbuck to that, obviously to the extent that she shot herself on fucking television. There's something more, and the something more is is what we've never been able to get. Her family, WXLT-TV, which is now WWSB40, it's an ABC affiliate, I believe, they got rid of everything, and I'm not talking about the death footage here. There's no point in seeing that. The more we discuss Christine, you'll understand why. But she had worked previously to that. She had a segment every day, 365 days in the year. Where is that footage? What happened to her? What happened to her art? What happened to what she worked every single day for? What happened to all those things that weren't good enough? We've not gotten quite there yet in the story. Let me take it a few steps back. There is nothing to represent who Christine is anymore outside of hearsay and 40-year-old articles. But this is a human being who obviously, was beyond empathetic, but cared a great deal about people in general and, and had a message about that, had a message about humanization, had a message about looking at 
people in general and she wasn't quite remarkable you know she wasn't the greatest person when it came to doing interviews she for the most part would ask a question and let the person answer it she had deeper meaning to her work she had deeper ideas to her work and for most of her career it was a battle you read in police reports and you see in these interpretations in film that she was hard to get along with well you also see that she suffered endlessly in her entire life with depression and anxiety. And anxiety itself, just as characteristics, makes people appear to be something completely that they're not to be. Most people with anxiety are trying their hardest to act like the Fonz, and of course they come off like Bobcat Goldplate, just Fuck off! Get out of here! Yelling at people. And that's not the intent, that's not the point, and I don't know if that was the case with Christine. Maybe she was a dick. Maybe she was really abrasive. But regardless... For the most part of her career, nothing she did really was accepted. Nothing she did was breaking grounds, and it's, it's ironic because most of her ideas and most of the things that she was working with and that she was trying to present to people are things that are, are iconic now and things that are, are loved now. She wanted to, she conceptually wanted to bring the news directly to you, you know, that you were able to watch what was happening, and, you know, you've got now, like, unsolved mysteries these dramatizations of, of what happened. We don't know how it exactly happened. It's just something from a police report. She had these concepts and these ideas that were just a little bit before their time. And unfortunately, we're in an era, the early 1970s, when a woman's opinion wasn't like any, it's any different now. Like a woman's opinion is actually heard or acknowledged as comparable to a man's in this world. We're living, I mean, the society now, of course, wants to tell you, no, you'll be listened to, you'll be heard. But let's be honest, are, are women and people of color ever listened to as much as a white guy? Uh, that's just how it is. I'm not fucking agreeing with it. And I'm not saying, I mean, we're getting a little bit off subject here, but I'm not saying it's okay. But it's something we're acknowledging, we're bringing up. Uh, but especially the 1970s, maybe you have a, a couple inches now more than you might have back then, but women and people of color still are, are, are treated subhuman. And all back to our original point here discussing Christine, I'm not saying she was treated subhuman, but I think she was never acknowledged because she had what is perceived to have been an attitude. She was perceived to have been constantly sarcastic and, you know, admitting. If people were not surprised if people didn't take it seriously that she would tell them i think about i'm thinking about shooting myself on the air i'm gonna shoot myself what do you think about that that's how odd her sense of humor had to have been that people just shrugged that off so i feel for her career her, her leaving the house that christine put on a persona that christine shubik had an image that she got into like a like a like clothing like a suit that she dressed in every day and it was very defensive she did not let people get close to her. She did not let people befriend her, but all the while never understood why she couldn't connect and fit in with people. Almost like she had an animosity against the world because she couldn't be heard, but at the same time wouldn't accentuate herself enough to be heard. She would try, and she would try, and she would try, and then when she would get rejected, she would just throw tantrums. You read, you hear, you know, she, she would just flip over the smallest things, but wouldn't take it into consideration that, you know, I, I'm playing this game. I'm not losing. They're losing. They're not taking me seriously. They're not looking at my art. It's their loss. I can move on. I can go somewhere that might appreciate me. She took it life or death, which, I mean, I, what other option really do you have? I mean, sometimes your world is just your world. Sometimes there aren't any other options. And we've got that articulated with Antonio Campos' film from 2016. Both of the fucking movies are from 2016, which makes this even harder. So I'm just going to refer to Christine as the Antonio Campos film. Christine, the person, is Christine Shubik, and then Kate plays Christine, obviously. 
should be able to figure that one out. You get a sense of who this person was. You at least get a sense of a human. You at least get like a grasp and a look into their eyes and an idea that they existed. And you're given the personification through Rebecca Hall. And she she does a fair job, but it's just... It's like it's essentially acting a fictional character because all the source material that they had is is what I have for this show. It's not that much. You think you're going to go off a diving board and you're going to be able to find footage and you're going to be able to hear her voice and you're going to be able to watch her and try and figure out deep in her eyes what could have gone wrong and you get a handful of pictures, some articles, a 40-page police report. There's there's nothing. The legacy is completely in death and brutality. A message that is against absolutely everything Christine Shubick as a human being stood for. And that's acknowledged very, very, very much in the Campos film. It, it is not just some ending note. It's something that is acknowledged throughout almost the entirety of the film is her feeling toward the news. So going back to Christine, the person I was discussing, her work and the type of work she did. She did human stories. She wanted to infiltrate your home with emotion and for you to understand these people and for you to understand the world and have maybe possibly a little bit of love or empathy for the people around you. And all she was given constantly was that's just not fucking selling. Nobody wants to see something like that. You know what sells? Car accidents, muggings, rapes, murders. We got to get some crime. If it bleeds, it leads. And to this day, I mean, that's really all the news is. You even got that catchy song by Don Henley, Dirty Laundry. Kick them when they're up, kick them when they're down. That's that's all it is. And that's all the fucking news ever will be. You're going to be told foreigners are stealing your job. They're coming here to rape and murder you. Gas prices are rising. It's somebody in the government's fault. Let's hate them. Meanwhile, the world is burning around you, and you have your head stuck in the sand out of fear. You, you can't even look around and see the problems and realize, well, shit, we could fix this if we all just came together. We could totally fix all of these problems, but you're stuck. You're catatonic with fear, and that's how we are forced to live our lives. That's what we are given every single goddamn day on the news. And not just that. I mean, almost every form of media, and I'm not talking about horror pictures here. I'm not talking about zombies coming back from the dead. How could you even have those in the same categories? You've got this fictionalized, goofy violence like Lucio Fulci's zombies getting killed, and then you watch the news, and you've got... Everything but the bomb killing a load of people via drone strikes. Everything but the rape on that news report. They fictionalize and sensationalize it so much. Was Christine so far off years ago attempting to do this? And this was all in retort to her being constantly told, well, yeah, you gotta have blood. Other stations are showing carjackings. Other stations are showing murders in Miami. We've got to do something. We've got to pick up the speed a little bit here. Nobody needs a story about somebody that went back into their own house to get cigarettes while it was burning down because they fell asleep smoking cigarettes. And the thing behind that, and this is a part of the Campos film. This is a project that Christine worked on. She went out of her way to shoot. And it was a story about a man who went back into his own house because it was burning down, because he fell asleep smoking a cigarette. He had to get his cigarettes. And you can hear the news theme playing on it now. This is something that would be on every fucking station. Local jackass burns house down like the seventh time, too. I, I should have mentioned that beforehand. It wasn't the first time the prick did this. So the ironicity behind it and the entire story and her whole method and her whole point of showing it obviously was almost sarcasm, you know? I mean, really, even going to her boss. You, you want something exciting. Well, here you go. Obviously, that, that wasn't 
the directive that wasn't what they were looking for. And we're dealing with a 70s news station. It's never been different. Just because the story is retro, there is literally no difference from the time period Christine Shevick lived in to where we're living now. If it bleeds, it leads is still how everything is served. I mean, even film. Try and convince somebody to watch a two-hour French art movie over a John Wick film. Of course they're going to want to see the one where like 900 people get shot by Keanu Reeves. And I mean, he is handsome and dreamy, but I don't know. My own private Idaho, maybe. The fuck did we get to goddamn Gus Van Sant? What am I talking about? The difficulty here is, is, is giving a personification to this person. First thing you, as a listener, you're going to want to do in general is try and find something more about this person. And there, there isn't much you can find. It's grasping for straws, and you try and put these puzzle pieces together. And with even the film representations, you're left pretty much with nothing. Beyond Rebecca Hall's character, there's truth to a lot that we're shown on screen. But it does us no good trying to get to know who this person was. So who was she? Who do I think she was? I think Christine Shubick was an artist who had a vision of this world and a vision of her place in this world, and no matter how hard she tried, she never could quite fit into it. Perhaps her own expectations were set too high, but but could can they really? I mean, when you as an individual have expectations and hopes and dreams of this world, it, why should they have to be lowered? I mean, reality is only so much. Reality is really only so much of what you make it to be. And who is any other person outside of somebody who has let themselves be tamed and let themselves be cornered and pushed into a box by a society that doesn't want you to grow that would say you need to change your expectations but alas christine shubick had expectations of this world and her life within it she wanted to be taken seriously and is that so much to ask i mean i think all of us want to be taken seriously there are so many angles that we can approach this story because we don't know i mean we have these comments we have what we can read her co-workers and family said after her death but in these moments in this time period we just have somebody that was, was working in Florida. They were working the daily news in Florida, and unless you were one of the maybe 10,000 to 15,000 TV sets in that area in Sarasota that viewed them, it wasn't anything. The station wasn't an affiliate. It didn't broadcast nationwide. It was just that area. It was just for those people. She was really at the lowest level of this form of media and, and, and had so much hope, had so many ideas, had so much that she wanted to put into her work. And where did it all go? What, what happened to the collective of, of who she is and, and what she is aside from her death? It's all just poof. Most people that knew her, including her mother and her brother, brought up to police that they really believed her suicide had something to do with sexual problems. She was not intimate at all with anyone. She was a 29-year-old virgin. She had an incredibly hard time, as I'd mentioned previously, connecting with people, having any form of resonance with them, whether or not it was because her guard was kept so high or the fact that she just didn't click with people, we'll never know. She tried to date. She tried to be congenial. She had a crush on a co-worker, another anchor named George, who's portrayed by Michael C. Hall in the Campos film. She'd gone out of her way to be human. But we don't know, honestly, you never know how you look through other people's eyes. Her trying her best, her fighting for equality, her fighting to be heard could have just been, man, she's a real bitch to everybody else. What's remarkable is there's really a lack of humanization when it comes to anything about Christine Shubick, anything that you can read, anything that you can find, including this film from Campos. I don't think most people can relate with what we're shown on screen in this film. I think most people with anxiety or severe depression problems easily could, but it's not compassionate. There is no, let's look at this person and let's evaluate their life. We're almost just, we're just being shown what happened to her for sheer entertainment purposes, exploiting 
the end of her life, the end of her story. All the while, I'm admitting how difficult it is to actually discuss her story, but that kind of makes you question why anyone would try and tell it at all if they couldn't actually tell it. That just means they are interested in one thing, and that's what most people are interested in when it comes to the story of Christine Chubbuck. It's what happened to her. It's what she did. Most people just want to see it, which I find strange that nobody questions why you can't find her entity, you can't find her work. You can't find what she did previously to that. You can't stand, You can't find what she stood for. Even in death, the respect she fought for her entire career was never fucking bestowed upon her. You can't even look back and see her pieces and, and say, well, she really tried to connect with that strawberry farmer. We are the audience. She put these things out there for us. She wanted people to connect. She wanted people to feel these things. She didn't want people to focus on the fear and the doom and the gloom and the negativity. She didn't want people to, and this is hypothetical here because I don't know I feel she didn't want people to focus on that and, and have fear invade your home to have hate invade your home and your mind you know I mean just look at the world look at where we work and we live and how we treat other people the fucking fact it wasn't one or two people she told her brother that she was suicidal she was seeing a fucking therapist told them that she was suicidal she told two co-workers she was gonna shoot herself on TV nobody did anything nobody stepped in Nobody, I can't say nobody cared, but you look at what happened to her. Did anybody? I mean, where were they? A sixth sense of humor is one thing, but let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, we know I've got quite a sixth sense of humor. I, I, I would hope. Maybe I expect too much as, I, as I, the words are coming out of my mouth, the wheels are kind of turning, and I'm realizing, like, you know what? I don't know. How, 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 <laughs> how many people would take me? fucking, you know, serious with a question like that. I, I Look, at, I had to stop here. Jeez, I'm stuttering. I actually have to stop to think about this because now that I say it, man, I really have raised a, an interesting question thrown a cog into the entire wrench of this Christine story. But it does kind of come back to my uh, point because <laughs> I don't think it's a joke, I guess. I guess it's my mentality stepping in here. Oh my God, we're getting personal with Hank. To me, it's alarming, especially when somebody jokes about it coyly. Those are the motherfuckers that are probably going to shoot themselves on TV. But I have no point in place to talk about presumptive reasons as to why people commit suicide or to why people get so sad and, and depression. That's not the point of this, and I'm not a goddamn doctor, so... Yet. I'm a reverend and a lord, but I am not a doctor. Yet. You can't rationalize a subject like this. You can't sit down and come up with a mathematical equation to solve something like this. It's like the Big Bang. The Monday before her suicide, she told co-worker Robert Smith how she was going to kill herself. He didn't take it seriously, so she, she began laughing. And she literally said to the guy, and I quote, Wouldn't it be nice if I just took the gun and blew myself away? And this is the guy that told police, well, she had a wicked sense of humor. She was really weird, so, you know, nobody took it seriously. I don't know, that, that to me is one of the most heartbreaking things. She reached out to people, almost like a test. I mean, really, what else could it have been? To, to, to see if maybe somebody would, would care enough to show interest? And what do you do when you're that defeated and you reach out to people and they don't even connect back to you? I mean, she took the route that she felt was the most safest. I wouldn't say that there's fictionalization in the Campos film, but there is dramatization we get to a point where Christine is going to be researching suicide. A lot of that doesn't exist in this movie, but in real life, Christine went to her boss and said, I'm going to do, I want to do something on suicide. I want to do a whole show on suicide. And she got approval to do it. She went to the local police force and, and questioned them, shot tape, wrote a lot about it, learned all the ways uh, to, to really commit suicide. And that brings us back to the wad cutters. 
That was the type of bullet Christine used to commit suicide with. We brought that up a little bit earlier in the show. Christine didn't just spend a few hours researching this. She put a lot of time into it. I believe she met with the police chief, other officers. She had an immaculate knowledge of what needed to be done to commit suicide. So wad cutters. She'd used the gun. She'd gone target shooting, so it makes sense as to why she would have them. But she also had clear knowledge that there would be something that devastatingly would get the job done. There would be no questions. Absolution. 100%. Finality. Wadcutters, on the other hand, it's a peculiar choice. The placement of the gun itself was a peculiar choice. Now, this is all incredibly speculative, but there is a chance that Christine Chubbuck may have not meant to kill herself. You hear so much about her wicked sense of humor, maybe this was the ultimate joke, the ultimate form of payback to what she considered bullies and people that wouldn't allow her to progress. Like I said, it's very, very speculative. Another thing that allowed the seed of a thought to grow in my head is just her wording in what I consider to be her suicide letter. All of these things are just thoughts and concepts and theories when it really comes to the end of all of this. There's so much to note, there's so much peculiarity to the entirety of the situation, the case, whatever you want to call it. You can't help but wonder, you can't help but speculate. And with the two films that heavily draw on Christine's life and are supposedly based 100% on her, all that they have done is speculate, so I mean, we're really no different than they are right now. At this point, it doesn't really matter if she meant to do it or not. No one would know, and if anyone did know, I mean, hey, maybe that's a whole conspiracy theory that we've come along with here. Maybe that's why her family and the station have this covered up so well, have so much of her removed from history. The inability to get to know who this entity was, maybe it was removed because she didn't intend to kill herself. I mean, she put a gun to her head and fired it. She knew the repercussions. She was very well versed in what would have happened by firing a bullet into your head. But what if? There's a whole lot of ifs. A bunch of ifs on this episode. One big if salad. What would you put on if salad? Maybe Caesar? I'm a blue cheese fan. I don't feel there's any point or place for something like conspiracy theory, but really, I'm kind of reaching calling it that. I think it kind of hit the nail with the statement, I'm doing the same thing as these two films did. But the passion and the calculation, the professionalism behind Christine Chubbuck, you can't help but wonder, was the intent lethal? In this film, we're shown uh, with her work ethic and how hard she's trying to break through. You really get an idea. You're really shown a backbone of Christine Shubik here. You're really shown how hard she tries to succeed. She's listening to police scanners, just trying to find something juicy. You know, she's staying up late at night, attempting to learn something to get to the scene of a crime before anyone else does and finally get that if it bleeds, it leads lead. She learns about this mechanic who also owns a gun store, who the cops will take their vehicles and guns to, and she goes and visits the guy. And we get this scene where the store owner explains to Christine that there are different colors, there are different codes, there are different levels to living in, in the world, that there's white, and there's black, and there's orange, and there's all these colors, and that white is when you're asleep, and when you leave your house. Black, or whatever the other color is, is when you're aware of a bird or another car while you're driving down the street. But when you have a firearm, when you have a gun, you, you jump to code orange, and orange, you're ready for anything. Orange, you have that peacemaker, or whatever you want to call it, an equalizer. You have a way to solve a problem. And you get this situational feeling that things are shifting. And we have a rule in film. When a gun is shown, you don't show it unless it's going to be used. So, obviously, 
this gun is going to come into play later. And I brought up that this film is very articulate. It's not so much the point that a gun has been exposed to us. It's not that we're recognizing or, or knowing that rule. It's the explanation as to these different codes, these colors, these levels to the world in which we all reside and live in. It's these Kongs turning in Christine's head. Now, did this really happen? Who knows? She bought the pistol from a place called the Bullet Hole via a story she was covering. So... You know, there's a lot of liberties that have been taken here, but that's all that we can do. And that's all that I'm doing because I want to give a humanization to this person. I want you to hear about Christine Chubbuck, the human. There, there, there was a human who worked every fucking day of their life. They woke up. They dedicated themselves to it. Were they mentally ill? Probably. And equivocably depressed their entire life. She suffered from anxiety and depression her entire life and didn't fit into this society, didn't fit into this world. That's what you'll read. That's what you'll hear. That's what her mom said. That's what her brother says. That's what her co-workers say. She just didn't fit in. Besides the fucking point, though, yes. She didn't fit in. Okay. All right. I get it. It's fine. The movie continuously. She tries. She just doesn't fit in. Now, with, with the Campos film, you, you do have some, some genuine emotion behind it. You do get to see that she gives a fucking shit. It, you, it, it's not just some, some self-centered person, and you get that so constantly when you discuss suicide. It's selfish. Suicide is such a selfish act. Well, let me fucking take a step back here. Isn't it selfish for you to think everything's fucking about you? We're not going to go into a rant about the nature of suicide. But the thought process behind the living is the thing that I never quite understand with it. Because when somebody gets to that extent, somebody kills themselves, they are at the, the, the lowest point that they could be at. And everyone surrounding them either recognized that and did nothing, or there was no, you know, I, again, this is all hypothetical, theoretical, because suicide is incredibly situational. There's a thousand different reasons. But to be able to sit back and be so pious, to call the dead selfish... That's just something I've never understood. And that, again, that's a, a different show for a different day. Maybe. I don't know. It might come back later. It, it really isn't a different show for a different day. But it's not the point of the show we're at right now. And I know this is hard. It's, it's hard to get through this because we're discussing Antonio Campos's film. We're discussing Christine Shubik And so much of this, I mean, it's a movie review show. So, obviously, personal feelings are being brought into it. But this isn't just, you know, I felt this way about the movie. I did not like the scene. It cut too fast. There's a lot more <laughs> going on in the situation here than just that. I have, and I think it's clear, my, my own thoughts on Christine Shubik, and they aren't about the end of the story. It's not focusing on the end of the story, and it's a struggle. Because there is no beginning, and there is no middle, and we, you, you, all, all that's left is this attempt to, to, all that's left is this attempt to attempt. <laughs> all that's left is trying, is trying to remind anyone that listens to this that, that Christine Shubik was a person, not just a death, not, not just sensationalization, not just exploitation, a person, a living being with dreams and hopes and thoughts and memories. I mean, obviously not now. But at some point, at some, some time, have we all gotten so far from humanity that it's literally just the end of the story that matters? Fuck, have we gotten so far from storytelling that <laughs> just the end of the story is what matters? Maybe. I don't know. That's fucking... We're off subject. We're... We're all over the place. Christine would put on puppet shows for disabled children. And in the Campos film, we get this kind of touching vibe. And in the Campos film, I think it's exquisitely shown how much 
she she did for other people that she was very empathetic she might have been sarcastic she might have been abrasive she might have been hard to deal with but as as a whole human being chubbuck was passionate about the well-being of other people not so much their entertainment and genuinely when you're in a field like hers it really is it's the entertainment that's what you're working for that's what you're you're doing not the idea of we're going to entertain people but the fucking ratings and and the money that comes from the ratings and moving forward getting a, a bigger face job moving to a station that's shown all over the world it's all about moving up and when you're in an environment and when you're in a world, it's all about moving up and you have something to say, you have emotion, you have a human story. There's really no place for that. And that seems to be almost her entire life is just there never really being a place for Christine. Her mother was a bit of a hippie. One of her brothers that lived with her at the end of her life was an artist. He was what you would call a really chill guy. And Christine was just almost the exact opposite of all of that. And to me, what I see is somebody that didn't want to be a product of her environment. She wanted her environment to be a product of hers. She didn't want to grow up and be like her parents. She didn't want to be like her brother. Apparently, she is the granddaughter of Douglas Fairbanks. So the family had money, which really could play into why there there is nothing left of her, why it's been taken away, why it's been erased, because they don't want people to know anything. It's an embarrassment to them, perhaps. So it was never a struggle of being poor and hungry and never being able to get by. She just couldn't connect. No matter what she attempted to do, no matter what she put herself into, and no matter how hard she tried, her angle was never quite seen, which I think you can sympathize with. I think you can really understand that. Anyone, I think anyone looking at it from that direction can really understand where things are coming from. It's not just the fact that somebody was difficult, but how long has the struggle been going on and what are they fighting uphill to get? And in 1974, 1975 fighting uphill for her position to actually be understood, acknowledged, and heard by anybody. It just is impossible. You're given this narrative in life that you have to fit. You're given this place, and this is really what society, this is what capitalism, a capitalist society stands for. You do this thing until you die, and then you get your free time, and you spend your free time fixating 100% on fear and gloom and the worst things possible, constantly just listening to this in the news, all forms of negativity shoved and pushed inside of your face. While you're doing that, just consume and die. That's, that's all you get to do. Those are your hobbies, and that's what's given to you by a capitalist society. Work, consume, die. Get drunk on your day off and watch the news. Try the new booze water. You hear about that, guys? We're putting booze in water. Consume Miller Coors, Bud Light, die. Watch ABC, Fox, CNN, BBC. What are we learning from any of it? What are we taking from any of it? Are we learning anything about humanity? Are we learning anything about emotion and who people are or what they fucking think? Do we learn anything? I mean, all we are ever exposed to is constant fear. Leave your house, go to work, don't talk to anybody, don't even look at them. They're bad. They're strangers, they're foreigners from a foreign land, and they're gonna come here, and they're gonna fucking rape you and pour sugar in your gas tank and take your job, yeah! What's so bad about a fucking human story? What's so wrong with learning about your neighborhood and the people that live around you? Christine was a square. I get it. I completely get it. Her stories were square stories. They didn't do anything outside of the local area. They didn't touch they didn't go far. And then, you know, spice it up. Make it juicier. Let's give us something better to work with. She just goes out of her way to do it, and it's it's the concept of her thought process here that I think is what ends up being problematic, is that you've got this box, what I've been ranting about, where you're told that you have to live inside your entire life. You know, this is it. You get up, you go to work, you die, you drink some beer, you get some 
McDonald's, you do whatever, corporate consumerism, and you buy in, you sell out, you do whatever the fuck you're doing. And you just die, you just live and you die. And she didn't see things inside of that box, and she didn't perceive things inside of this box. She had a fucking idea for what her life needed to be, and for what her life wanted, what she wanted her life to be, the importance of all of these things. Something that I think even as, as children, all of us have in our head. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a spaceman. And there's some point in our life that we, we stop wanting to be a, a spaceman. And that's because of, of this imposed reality that isn't your reality. This is what people have told you to be. This is what people have said. This is re reality. You've got to deal with it. And you, you give up on, on being the first guy to fuck an alien or whatever, <laughs> whatever your dream was. You, you, you give up on it. What's that rant from Step Brothers about the dad having, I want to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and then one day I realize, what the fuck am I doing? Look, when I was a kid, when I was a little boy, I always wanted to be a dinosaur. I wanted to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex more than anything in the world. I made my arms short, and I roamed the backyard, and I chased the neighborhood cats, and I growled, and I... Roared. Everybody knew me and was afraid of me. And then one day my dad said, Bobby, you're 17. It's, it's time to throw childish things aside. And I said, okay, Pop. But he didn't really say that. He said, stop being a fucking dinosaur and get a job. But you know, I thought to myself, I'll go to medical school, I'll practice for a little while, and then I'll come back to it. Dad, how's that a skill? But I forgot how to do it. You're human. You could never be a dinosaur. Well, Dad, what's the point? Uh, yeah. The point is, don't lose your dinosaur. Now, yeah, that's absolutely... <laughs> that's absolutely insane. But you have these hopes, and you have these dreams, and you connect to things, and, and you, 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 you want so much out of life, and then one day, all of a sudden, it's just gone. One day, it's just completely gone, and you're working. And, and you've been doing it for 20 years, and you have no idea what you're working for, and you have no idea what it stands for. Some people can't live inside of that box, and some people can't perceive anything in that box. It makes no sense to them. It, it, just, it, doesn't, it just doesn't equate. It's the one wrongs and zeros. It's just not going to work. The program crashes. Christine was somebody that couldn't live inside of that box. She just couldn't function inside of that box, and it's not being a free spirit. It's being a fucking free thinker. It's somebody that has abolished the idea itself of society. And we've not even gotten to discussing network yet, but we learned something really interesting in that movie, and it's an incredible truth that there is no society, there is no presidents, there are no kings, there are no czars, there are no ministers. There is money. Money and ratings. Ratings equate money. When you work in the television world, when you work in the film industry, in the entertainment industry in general, it doesn't matter if you're podcasting or you're doing the local news, all that matters is ratings week to fucking week. Sensationalizing. The ratings are low, you've got to find something to sensationalize, and despite fighting to be outside of the box while attempting to still fit into society. Christine could just never make it. She could never do what was quite good enough, and her mother was interviewed by police when she was brought to the hospital. When she shot herself, it didn't initially kill her. She died several hours later. Her mother told police at the hospital she was terribly, terribly, terribly depressed. She had a job that she loved. She said constantly that if it ended tomorrow, she would still be glad she had it but she had nothing else in her social life. No close friends, no romantic attachments or prospects of any. She was a spinster at 29 and it bothered her. She couldn't register with people. That's the main thing. She was sensitive. She felt she couldn't register with anyone except her family. And at 29, that's sad. And it is sad. It is ridiculously sad. This whole environment, this whole society, she couldn't connect with anyone. 
She couldn't register with anyone. I mean, I don't know. I look back at the family and wonder why. I wonder where this acceptance was never understood and why Christine constantly never felt she was good enough because her work was just like anyone else's. But there was something inside of her. There was something inside of Christine that never let herself see any of that. It could be something like imposter syndrome, constantly berating yourself and never allowing yourself to see your own achievements, to see the good inside of yourself, to hear anything. But Christine Chubbuck, not necessarily shown in the Campos film, went out of her way to let people know she was miserable. She was seeing a therapist who she had talked to regularly about her suicidal tendencies, and they just didn't think she was serious about it, possibly due to her demeanor and her sense of humor. She spoke to her brother about it, her mother about it, co-workers about it. Not the day before she died, not ten minutes before doing so, but days and weeks and months before this. She tried to fucking kill herself previously before even moving to Florida when she was living in Massachusetts, so it's not like suicidal tendencies. It's not like this is something, ah, uh, she does have a wicked sense of humor. Now, of course, her colleagues and co-workers didn't know of this, but her family and her therapist, the people immediate to her, did. No one jumped on it. No one thought that that was alarming. Not one person in her life sat down. Of course, she was difficult. She would throw a temper tantrum. She would yell. She would fight. Things that normally didn't bother other people would heavily bother Christine. And despite that being difficult, I get it. It's very hard to deal with somebody that is abrasive. It's very hard to deal with somebody that is so ridden with depression and anxiety they can't see the better, that they're just focused on the negativity and all they want to do is wallow in the negativity. It's very, very hard, but Jesus fucking Christ, somebody says, I think I'm going to shoot myself on live television. That doesn't, like, do anything. It doesn't, like, set off some alarm in your head, you know, Danger Will Robinson! I don't know. It, it clearly didn't, and it makes you really wonder, and it gives me an incredible amount of concern, especially us coming across this earlier and talking about it a little while ago. God, I mean, I guess you really, you, you gotta pull a gun out to get somebody's attention. And that's awful. But that's really the society we live in. So hyper-fixated and focused on fear, anger, doom, death, violence all the bad things that are happening outside of your door, all the bad things that are going on in the city and how you need to be afraid. We, where is any love? Where is anything else? Where are there so many other spectrums of emotion and feelings outside of that? None of them are ever presented to us in our society and in our world. In 1973, 1969, 1960, 1974, it was no different. There was nothing any different from then to exactly right now. Perpetually, nothing has changed. I mean, we just left... The same cycle of, of Watergate. President being fucking impeached. Though it's funny, when you look back at something like Watergate, it's nowhere near as horrible as the things that have been happening in the United States recently. Time is a flat circle, I guess I gotta say that on every fucking episode. Man, I have said fuck a lot on this, this episode. Maybe we should do a fuck counter. Or cut some of them out! We struggle along with Christine in the Campos film. We, she's our avatar in this movie. We're watching everything through this personification, this anxiety-ridden personification. At some points in the movie, it seems like she's so meek she can't even speak and get her opinion out. And then you research her and you learn about her in real life, and everyone had the same thing to say. It wasn't so much that she was difficult. She just was incredibly sarcastic, and she really didn't. It wasn't a matter of being unattractive, and it, it's sort of annoying. You read all these articles, and you, you go through the internet, and you look up so much about Christine, and so much focus is she was very attractive. She was beautiful. She was smart and attractive, and blah, 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 blah. 
I don't think that had any play into her sexual life. I don't think it had any bearing or mattering. A year before her suicide, Christine had to have an ovary removed, which heavily can complicate pregnancy. Most literature and media that you can find on her, things are very fixated on that, that it, it, it seems to be heavily the opinion that, well, she couldn't be a stay-at-home mom, she couldn't be a housewife and have children, so she whacked herself on television. And I think there's a lot more to it than that. I think maybe there's some heavy frustration that she couldn't get laid. But earlier, talking about anxiety, I referenced something. Building this character, having this persona, the suit that you put on when you go outside, that you're going to act this certain role, and you see it in your head as being something like the Fonz, and really you're just, you know, yelling and screaming, and you're very abrasive. Or what you think is cool and calculated just comes off as mean and snarky or overly sarcastic to other people because you're attempting to not expose yourself. Some people are so unhappy with themselves that they don't want to expose themselves to you. They create a version of it to let you get to know and what happens when you can't get to know that version that seems like most of christine's life people asked her out people wanted to colleagues friends come out go to dinner let's go to drinks she always had an excuse she always had a reason to not be a part of the gang all the while i i think the big thing for her was her work her message making it that she wanted to stand for something it wasn't a social party not having friends sucks, and it causes even more loneliness and bitterness and pushes you farther and farther away from people. The less contact you have, the more you start feeling like a rabid dog, which obviously I think is something she could connect to because of how often you can read and hear, even in the police reports, every single person saying she had a very weird sense of humor, was very defensive, stayed to herself. Christine didn't want people to know her. She wanted people to know her work. She wanted people to know what she stood for. She wanted people to see what she was capable of doing. I am Christine, hear me roar. And it was constantly overlooked. In the Campos film, you are led to believe that her ovary being removed was immediate to her suicide. She was 29 years old when she killed herself, and the prospect of turning 30 definitely is terrifying and can be too much for some people, but you get this cavalcade of, of bad events that kind of trickle into the movie and all of these things happened in very different time periods in real life and it makes you think that it was just the pressure that there wasn't enough for her to keep going with as to where i truly feel christine opted out sure the pressure built and things are awful nothing ever goes right but i think she opted out bill hicks said once it's just a ride you can get on and off whenever you want to but life is just a ride. The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud, and it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride, and we, Kill those people. <laughs> Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. It sounds pretty. But more or less what he's referencing is you can start and stop this whenever you want to. You can't just lay down and die. But there are ways around it. And in Christine's head, it seems like if she couldn't make it in her way, in her vision, then it's time to stop. And she told people that. She told her mother that. She told her therapist that. I can get off whenever I want to. I can stop whenever I want to. And not one person was alarmed by it. And even if they were, they didn't do anything. And there's not a lot you can do in a situation like this. 
You can have somebody locked up, and then what? They get out. I mean, if there's a will, there's a way. If she hadn't killed herself on July 15th, 1974, would she have done it later? What are the odds she would have even seen it outside of 1974? We don't know. We don't, we don't know anything but that end of the story, and that's what makes this so problematic and so terrible. Just the lack of care for who this human was and the idea of who they were. We find out that the owner of WXLT-TV in Sarasota, Florida is going to poach somebody. He's starting up a station in Maryland, a top 40 station, and he's going to bring some talent. So, I mean, this is the greatest chance for Christine. This, this is when finally things can happen. Her, all her hard work, everything that she has sunken her heart into, her writing, her art, can finally be acknowledged. And of course, she isn't picked. Christine finds out that her longtime crush, an anchor named George Peter Ryan, he's the one that's going to make it. He's the one that's going to be sent to Maryland. And she finds out on top of that that he's taking with one of her closest friends at the station, one of her closest friends in general, who he had been seeing and, and nobody really knew about it. A lot of pressure. You get all of this exposition and all of this dumped on you at one place in the movie, and it just seems like, okay, she's reached a snapping point. Everything's awful, and this is why she killed herself. But all of these things weren't just in a weak matter of time. She had her ovary taken out one year before her suicide. We don't really know what happened between her and George. We've got the Sally Quinn article where it's discussed and brought up that she found out or she saw George and someone else and realized then and there, oh, they knew the entire time they were hiding this from me. We don't know. No, nobody knows. So it's very presumptuative to try and slam all this together. And of course, you know, it's a dramatization. You're, you're reaching and you're, you're trying to pull straws here to come up with something creative to give this movie a linear look. But you're just hyper fixating at the end of the story you're trying to connect everything to get to the end of this story and that's the least important thing because we know that we know what happened to her we know that she killed herself it's the fact that her her life her being who she is is just a, a mystery and it's lost just the death that's all that remains i think my favorite scene in the campos film is between christine and george he convinces her to go to therapy and as I've brought up several times, in the real world, in the real story, she had been seeing a therapist. And she did go out of her way to try this therapy with George. But what we get in this scene is, is the realization and the reality that Christine lives outside of this box. She lives outside of this world that most of us live in. She lives with her own rules. She has her own regulations. And they're doing this game. It's called Yes But. Where you tell somebody a problem, they give you a solution to it, and you answer with Yes But. And it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. And it gets to a point where the person playing this game with Christine says to her, maybe you need to change your expectations. And she just flatly, the same expression that we get at the end of the film before she shoots herself, she says, I don't think I understand the question. Because it was never something in her. It was never something in the human being to, to have to change, which I think is ridiculous that anyone should ever have to. Now, you know, it's fucking situational. Because if you're a Nazi, yeah you probably need to change your expectations of reality are completely off bar and not right. So everything is, is absolutely situational. Suicide, as I referenced earlier, goddamn everything, breathing, smoking, eating, drinking, farting, it's all situational. Every, every single concept of reality itself is situational. But we needed a dramatic ending. We needed something to, I don't know, make the movie worth watching, which I think is really unfortunate that we get to this entire film and, and you finally get to like 20 minutes and you know, well, you know, she's gotta die. And they turned it into this like heartwarming story of, well, she's going to therapy, she's learning. Throughout her puppet shows, she has these incredibly positive things to say about 
getting up every day and trying and using your words and then she just shoots herself and that's that's really what happens with this film you go through this trying terrible story you get to know this person what they want you to know of them what they want you to know of this on-screen personification this falsified idea of Christine Chubbuck and you f spend all this time you spend all this emotion and then they just exploit her they give you all of this. They give you this plateau of who she could be, what her art stood for, why she worked so hard, and then they literally exploit her with the one thing that she completely was abhorrently against and what she fought against consistently, that she was told if it bleeds, it leads. You need to run with something like this. And she would go out of her way to come up with something creative. She would try and find some way to bring the news to you while still having emotion, while still having some vernacular outside of blood and guts and pain and woe and doom and gloom and nihilism, fear. And obviously that didn't work. Obviously that didn't have any success. So she gave the station what they wanted. She fit inside of their box instead of hers. She bent into their level. She presented after failing in their eyes consistently, never quite meeting their criteria, the ultimate story. And I mean, really, her final statement, if anything, is, is the absolute clarity. They say she left no suicide letter, but the final words Christine Chubbuck ever said was, in keeping with Channel 40's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts and in living color, you're going to see another first. An attempted suicide. And then she shot herself in the lower part on the left side of her head with a 38 caliber. Her career was constantly, nope, you didn't do good enough. Where's the blood? Where's the guts? Where's the pain? Where's the suffering? We got to give these people something to watch. We got to give them a reason to turn on the television. And that's the whole point of the media. That's the point of the news. We got to give them something. Nobody wants to know if a puppy was rescued today. We want to know if somebody's head got cut off when that wreck down on Interstate 95. That's what we want to know about. Is the plague ending anytime soon? Who knows? But a Mexican guy stabbed somebody last night. Be afraid. Be very afraid. What is that service? I think a lot of people can ask, what did Christine's suicide service? What did that do? What did it stand for? What did it represent? What point did it have? What did it carry? And from what I've discussed at the beginning of the show to onward, I, I, I hope it's starting to become clear. I hope it's starting to resonate and have a reason for you to understand what happened and, and why this happened. Of course, everything is situational, but time and place and pressure and life in general. Those are all valid reasons to kill yourself, but so much more came into hand. And the statement that Christine Shubick was making was much more than, I'm a depressed person who can't get laid. She had more in her death than that itself. And, and it's sad that those moments are, are just completely ignored. The reasoning and what she did is just lost and completely ignored, possibly because of embarrassment. Her family, the station, her co-workers, her friends, apparently, who never recognized or saw the problem or cared enough to reach out or do something. There's a lot of situations as to why there is no more Christine Shubbick, as to why her words, her writing, her voice, aside from a few photos, her face, have just slipped away. It's just pushing it under the rug, you know? We don't talk about it. People won't know about it. Won't bring us shame anymore. And I feel the shame that is to be felt is all of these people, all of these that surrounded her. What's your excuse? She just had a really weird sense of humor. I spoke of this earlier, but it certainly is a lingering thought in my mind. Were her jokes not reaching out? Were her jokes not looking for someone to help her? 
Was she trying to prepare them for the ultimate prank? Did she really have the intent to kill herself? Now, obviously, if there was an answer to this question, her family, the station, the powers that be, have made sure that we'll never know. Neither film really goes into this direction, Network 2, but I really can't get that thought out of my head. Regardless of if she meant to or didn't, I feel a lot of her goal here was to give the station what they wanted, was to give the people what they wanted. You, know, you get told consistently, this is it. This is this. This is it. You know, like that part of the deer hunter where Robert De Niro just yells that at Kazale because he forgot his boots? Gotta learn, Stanley. Every time you come up here, you got your goddamn head up your ass. Maybe he likes the view from up there, huh? <laughs> Every time he comes up, he's got no knife, he's got no jacket, he's got no pants, he's got no boots. Always got that stupid gun he carries around like John Wayne. That ain't gonna help you. Stanley, see this? This is this. This ain't something else. This is this. From now on, you're on your own. But it doesn't really change anything, and it wouldn't change anything, if Christine Shubbick had survived. Her exploitation would have been just as bad, if not worse. And of course, that was a time before TMZ, before there were so many sharks out there just waiting to rip people apart. But we've brought this up many, 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 many times, but it's just conceptually... 1770 to now, it's not, nothing's different. There wouldn't be hundreds and hundreds of years of people fighting for change and equality if anything was ever any different. But it's all hypotheticals here. It's all very, very speculative. The choice of words attempted. The use of the wad cutters. Now you hear in Kate Plays Christine, the word attempted was used because she was just such a darned good journalist she wouldn't have risked possibly surviving. But I don't feel it would have been written down. It wouldn't have been acknowledged if the risk wasn't acknowledged. But Christine explicitly fucking knew how to kill yourself. She had studied it. She knew what was necessary. So why the choice of a wad cutter? She could have used a hollow point. She could have used a, a regular 38 caliber bullet. A blunt force that would have taken the skull off. There would have been no brain. It would have splattered all over the fucking building. But she didn't choose to do that. And it lingers. You can't really get into the mind of someone that is so depressed and, and try and understand where they're coming from or what they were trying to do. You look at Christine Shubbick, you look at what we're allowed to know what's left of her. You hear about her wicked sense of humor. And it just kind of pushes that question even more to the front of your brain. Well, was really this playing into her sense of humor? Was this the ultimate fuck you? Get out of the hospital, get better. The station gets tons and tons and tons of ratings. Everything goes back to normal. Maybe you have a little bit of a slur when you talk. I don't know. I continuously say that. I don't know. What type of fucking show is this? I don't know. I listen to this guy. He doesn't know. I don't know. We don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. I don't even know why I listen to this. I don't know, man. But I've said this before. Even if she didn't mean for this to be lethal, would it have really changed the outcome? Because at the end of the day, all we have is Christine Chubbick exploited. If she had survived, what difference would it have been? It would have been blown up even more. It would have been all over. There would be dozens and dozens of movies. Probably nothing anywhere nearly as nice as Network. Which is incredibly petty to say because the only reason that movie exists is because of the death of Christine. Thus, da-da-da, the word of the night, exploitation. Throughout the film, Christine is very close with a colleague named Gene. There's a point in the movie where Gene tells Christine, When things are going bad, I just like to 
sing a song on the radio and have some ice cream. And that's how this movie ends. Christine Chubbuck shoots herself. We get to see the whole nine yards, almost as if we were there. We go into the station, we see her writing her report. We see her writing her suicide letter. We see every single piece. We see her in the hospital, her mother crying. And then we go to Jean eating ice cream, singing a song on the television. And it's just like, that's it. Things go. Things come. Things go. Time goes on. We move on. Isn't it sad? And it had no point. It, it literally had no point. You get this really nice, this eloquently shot thing. And that's, that's just what it is. It's just a thing. You get exposed into the world and the life of Christine Schubeck, and it goes absolutely nowhere. It just it exploits her and what she stood against. All the film did was bring the doom and gloom directly into your home. It's not the ending that matters. We go through the struggle, we go through this interpretation of who this person was in their life and everything about them, and then it's just erased. It's just neglected with the focal point being on the end of the story. And I know that's what everybody wants to see. It's just like faces of death. It's the desensitization, I guess, the bizarre need to watch these horrible atrocities that people have. But unfortunately, that's what this movie kind of perpetuated. That That's what Christine, the Campos film, has done. All it has done is given these people that just want to see her shoot herself another reason to hunt it down, another reason to be excited about it. There is no celebration of her. There is nothing at the end of this movie that makes you reflect and go, wow, she was a person with a soul and her own emotions and her thoughts. It's awful. It just ends. It's just a movie. It, it lacks any compassion, and to me, that makes it lack any point. It makes it lack any meaning in anything. You're dealing with a true story, and obviously it's, it's for film. So you're going to make it bigger. Like, you really think the Lincoln movie that Spielberg did is fucking accurate? Every single tiny little scene? Nope, that's exactly how it went. No! Gladiator. Yep, that's exactly how it was. Exactly how it was. No fucking way. I get it. I understand. It's a movie. It's based on a true story. Let it go. But we're dealing with something that doesn't have the capability of having its own story. You can't go find anything about Christine, and there's no one to ask, there's no one to talk to, there's no one to learn anything about. So we have these representations, and you're dealing with, with a human, you're dealing with, with not like Adolf Hitler, you're not dealing with like a fucking monster who it, you can tell the story any way you want to, because they're a fucking monster. It was just a human, it was just a person. Their life was not means of exploitation, and that's all they've done. We're, we're going to tell her story. No, you're going to tell how she killed herself. You're going to promote how she killed herself. You're going to exploit how she fucking killed herself. That's all you're selling. You're doing the one thing that, that literally was the whole embodiment of her killing herself. To stand up against it. To, okay, here's what you want. Here's what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. Goddamn public images, LTD. Get out of here, Johnny Rotten. So you give this ballet of her life and her sorrows and her woe. And then you drop down to the level that she fought and died, literally. I'm not going to call her a martyr, but almost as a martyr, to show is just fucking fear-mongering. But all this aside, on the subject of Antonio Campos' film, Christine, from 2016, it is an excellent film. It is an emotional film. I think overall it is pointless. I, I have to just call it that way. I think that you've offered nothing but sensationalizing and exploiting the death of Christine Shubik. You've done nothing for her life. You've done nothing for her story. You've done nothing for who she is. And I guess that doesn't matter. 
I guess people don't think of it that way. I guess it's an idea. It's something to sell. I don't know. But it took me four hours to watch the goddamn movie because I had to continuously pause it because it made me weep. It hurt. It, it was painful to watch. I think what hurts the most is the exploitation, though. I think it's the fact that 40 years later we're feeling all this emotion for somebody that nobody would have, nobody felt emotion for at the time. Their life had meaning. Their life mattered. And then it comes down to the end of their story. And that's just unfair that that's all that's left. It's just not really fair, I guess. But what fucking is? Moving on, we have... Kate Plays Christine by Robert Greene, written and directed. This film is nothing but exploitation. And this is the part of the show where I really make everyone mad. Because this is the end. You'll have to tune in next week for the conclusion of Exploiting Christine, the Christine Chubbuck story. Yep, that's right. You've got to wait a whole week for more suicide. At the beginning of this episode, there was a warning letting you know that discretion needed to be taken for what you were about to listen to. I want to touch upon that before we get out of here. Suicide is a very, very serious subject. There's nothing to be laughing at. This isn't a joke. If you or a loved one is suicidal, having suicidal tendencies, thoughts, I know it sounds like I'm reading from a script here, but I'm not. There is help. There is a way. You can contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, suicidepreventionlifeline.org, all one word. We care about all of you out there here at Death by DVD. Even the people that like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Everybody. So until next week, the ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. Be sure to take some time and check out our new website, www.deathbydvd.com. We made it real simple for you. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe. You'll get all sorts of information on the new and upcoming fun stuff that's going to hit our website very, very soon. Updates on new episodes. A little something for everyone. Pleasant tomorrows. I'm Hank, the world's greatest, and you'll be hearing from me next Friday. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. The management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. Moments after he fought off a crew of armed teenagers who tried to steal his rental car. Police right now are questioning the suspected gunman who is also a known gang member.